Hey, it's Natalie, and I'm here with another episode of the Rick Riordan Book Club. Today, we're going to read the second chapter of the King Chronicles, The Red Pyramid. Hope you enjoy! Chapter 2, Carter, An Explosion for Christmas I've been to the British Museum before. In fact, I've been in more museums than I'd like to admit. It makes me sound like a total geek. That's Sadie in the background yelling that I am a total geek. Thanks, sis. Anyway, the museum was closed and completely dark, but the curator and two security guards were waiting for us on the front steps. Dr. Kane! The curator was a greasy little dude in a cheap suit. I'd seen mummies with more hair and better teeth. He shook my dad's hand like he was meeting a rock star. Your last paper on Imhotep? Brilliant. I don't know how you translated those spells. Imho who? Sadie muttered to me. Imhotep, I said, high priest, architect. Some say he was a magician, designed the first step pyramid, you know. Don't know, said Sadie. Don't care, but thanks. Dad expressed his gratitude to the curator for hosting us on a holiday. Then he put his hand on my shoulder. Dr. Martin, I'd like you to meet Carter and Sadie. Ah, your son, obviously, and... The curator looked hesitantly at Sadie. And this young lady? My daughter, Dad said. Dr. Martin's stare went temporarily blank. Doesn't matter how open-minded or polite people think they are, there's always that moment of confusion that flashes across their face when they realize Sadie is part of the family. I hate it, but over the years, I've come to expect it. The curator regained his smile. Yes, yes, of course. Right this way, Dr. Kane. We are very honored. The security guards locked the doors behind us. They took our luggage, then one of them reached for Dad's work bag. Ah, no, Dad said with a tight smile. I'll keep this one. The guard stayed in the foyer as we followed the curator into the great court. It was ominous at night. Dim light from the glass-domed glass ceiling cast cross-hatched shadows across the walls like a giant spider web. Our footsteps clicked on the white marble floor. So, Dad said, the stone? Yes, the curator said, though I can't imagine what new information you could glean from it. It's been studied to death, our most famous artifact, of course. Of course, Dad said, but you may be surprised. What's he on about now? Sadie whispered to me. I didn't answer. I had a sneaking suspicion what stone they were talking about. But I couldn't figure out why Dad would drag us out on Christmas Eve to see it. I wondered what he'd been about to tell us at Cleopatra's Needle. Something about our mother's, our mother and the day she died. And why did Dad keep glancing around so he expected those strange people we'd see at the Needle pop up again? We were locked in a museum surrounded by guards and high-tech security. Nobody could bother us in here, I hoped. We turned left into the Egyptian wing. The walls were lined with massive statues of the pharaohs and gods. But my dad bypassed all of them and went straight for the main attraction in the middle of the room. Beautiful, my father murmured. And it's not a replica? No, no, the curator promised. We don't always keep the actual stone on display, but for you, this is quite real. We were staring at a slab of dark gray rock about three feet tall and two feet wide. It sat on a pedestal, encased in a glass box. The flat surface of the stone was chiseled with three distinct bands of writing. The top part was ancient Egyptian, picture writing, hieroglyphs. The middle section, I had to rack my brain, with, rack my brain to remember what my dad called it. Demotic? A kind of writing from the period where, when the Greeks controlled Egypt, and a lot of Greek words got mixed into Egyptian. The last lines were in Greek. The Rosetta Stone, I said. 
Isn't that a computer program? Sadie asked. I wanted to tell her how stupid she was, but the curator cut me off with a nervous laugh. Young lady, the Rosetta Stone was the key to deciphering hieroglyphs. It was discovered by Napoleon's army in 1799, and... Oh, right, Sadie said. I remember now. I knew she was just saying that to shut him up, but my dad wouldn't let it go. Sadie, he said, until this stone was discovered, regular mortals, er, I mean, no one had been able to read hieroglyphs for centuries. The written language of Egypt had been completely forgotten. Then, an Englishman named Thomas Young proved that the Rosetta Stone's three languages all conveyed the same message. A Frenchman named Champollion took up the work and cracked the code of hieroglyphs. Sadie chewed her gum unimpressed. What's it say then? Dad shrugged. Nothing important. It's basically a thank you letter from some priest to King Ptolemy V. When it was first carved, the stone was no big deal. But over the centuries, over the centuries, it has become a powerful symbol. Perhaps the most important connection between ancient Egypt and the modern world. I was a fool not to realize its potential sooner. He lost me, and apparently the curator too. Dr. Kane, he asked, are you quite all right? Dad breathed deeply. My apologies, Dr. Martin. I was just thinking aloud. If I could have the glass removed, and if you could bring me the papers I asked for from your archives. Dr. Martin nodded. He pressed a code to a small remote control, and the front of the glass box clicked open. It will take a few minutes to retrieve the notes, Dr. Martin said. For anyone else, I would hesitate to grant unguarded access to the stone. But as you've requested, I'll trust you to be careful. He glanced at us, Kay, like we were troublemakers. We'll be careful, Dad promised. As soon as Dr. Martin's steps receded, Dad turned to us with a frantic look in his eyes. Children, this is very important. You have to stay out of this room. He slipped his work bag off his shoulder and unzipped it. Just enough to pull out a bike chain and a padlock. Follow Dr. Martin. You'll find his office at the end of the great court on the left. There's only one entrance. Once he's inside, wrap this lock around the door handles and lock it tight. We need to delay him. You want us to lock him in? Sadie said, suddenly interested. Brilliant! Dad, I said, what's going on? We don't have time for explanations, he said. This will be our only chance. They're coming. Who's coming? Sadie asked. He took Sadie by the shoulder. Sweetheart, I love you. And I'm sorry for the many things, but there's no time now. If this works, I promise I'll make everything better for all of us. Carter, you're my brave man. You have to trust me. Remember, lock up Dr. Martin, then stay out of this room. Chaining the curator's door was easy, but as soon as we'd finished, we looked back the way we'd come and saw blue light streaming from the Egyptian gallery, as if our dad had installed a giant glowing aquarium. Sadie locked eyes with me. Honestly, do you have any idea what he's up to? None, I said. But he's been acting strange lately. Thinks a lot about Mom. He keeps her picture. I didn't want to say any more. Fortunately, Sadie nodded like she understood. What's in his work bag? She asked. I don't know. He told me never to look. Sadie raised an eyebrow. And you never did? God, that's so like you, Carter. You're hopeless. I wanted to defend myself. But just then, a tremor shook the floor. Startled, Sadie grabbed my arm. He told us to stay put. I suppose you're going to follow that order, too. Actually, that order was sounding pretty good to me. 
but Sadie sprinted down the hall, and after a moment's hesitation, I ran after her. When we reached the entrance of the Egyptian gallery, we stopped dead in our tracks. Our dad stood in front of the Rosetta Stone with his back to us. A blue circle glowed on the floor around him, as if someone had switched on a hidden neon tubes in the floor. My dad had thrown off his overcoat. His work bag lay open at his feet, revealing a wooden box, about two feet long, painted with Egyptian images. What's he holding, Dad? Sadie whispered to me. Is that a boomerang? Sure enough, when Dad raised his hand, he was brandishing a curved white stick. It did look like a boomerang, but instead of throwing the stick, he touched it to the Rosetta Stone. Sadie caught her breath. Dad was writing on the stone. Wherever the boomerang made contact, glowing blue lines appeared in the granite. Hieroglyphs. How could he write glowing words with a stick? But the image was bright and clear, ram's horn, ram horns above a box with an X. Open, Sadie murmured. I stared at her, because it sounded like he had just translated the words. That was impossible. I had been hanging around Dad for years, and even I couldn't, could read only a few hieroglyphs. They're seriously hard to learn. Dad raised his arms and chanted, Woo, seer, I, e. And two more hieroglyphic symbols burned a blue against the surface of the Rosetta Stone. Ascend as I was, I recognized the first symbol. It was the name of the Egyptian god of the dead, Wusir. I whispered, though I never heard it pronounced that way, but I knew he meant Osiris. Osiris, come, Sadie said, as if in a trance. Then her eyes widened. No, she shouted. Dad, no! Our father turned in surprise. He started to say, children, but it was too late. The ground rumbled, the blue lights turned searing white, and the Rosetta Stone exploded. When I regained consciousness, the first thing I heard was laughter, horrible, gleeful laughter, mixed with the blare of the museum's security alarms. I felt like I'd just been run over by a tractor. I sat up dazed and spit a piece of Rosetta Stone out of my mouth. The gallery was in ruins. Waves of fire rippled in pools along the floor. Giant statues had toppled. Sarcophagi had been knocked off their pedestals. Pieces of the Rosetta Stone had exploded outward with such force that they embedded themselves in the columns, the walls, and other exhibits. Sadie was passed out next to me, and she looked, but she looked unharmed. I shook her shoulder, and she grunted, Ugh! In front of us, where the Rosetta Stone had been, stood a smoking, sheared-off pedestal. The floor was blackened in a starburst pattern, except for the glowing blue circles around her father. He was facing our direction, but he didn't seem to be looking at us. A bloody cut ran across his scalp. He gripped the boomerang tightly. I didn't understand what he was looking at. The horrible laughter echoed around the room again, and I realized he was coming from right in front of me. Something stood between our father and us. At first, I could barely make it out. Just a flicker of heat but as I concentrated, it took on a vague, vague form, the fiery outline of a man. He was taller than Dad, and his laugh cut through me like a chainsaw. Well done, he said to my father. Very well done, Julius. You were not summoned. My father's voice trembled. He held up the boomerang, but the fiery man flicked one finger, and the stick flew from Dad's hand, shattering against the wall. I have never summoned Julius, the man purred. 
but when you open a door, you must be prepared for guests to walk through. Back to the duat, my father roared. I have the power of a great king. Oh, scary, the fiery man said with amusement. And even if you knew how to use that power, which you do not, he was never my match. I am the strongest. Now you will share his fate. I couldn't make sense of anything, but I knew I had to help my dad. I tried to pick up the nearest chunk of stone, but I was so terrified my fingers felt frozen and numb. My hands were useless. Dad shot me a silent look of warning. Get out. I realized he was intentionally keeping the fiery man's back to us, hoping Sadie and I could escape unnoticed. Sadie was still groggy. I managed to drag her behind a column into the shadows. When she started to protest, I clamped my hand over her mouth. That woke her up. She saw what her was happening, and she stopped fighting. Alarms blared. Fire circled around the doorway of the gallery. The guards had to be on their way, but I wasn't sure if that was a good thing for us. Dad's cr Dad crouched to the floor, keeping his eyes on the, his enemy, and opened his painted wooden box. He brought out a small rod like a ruler. He muttered something under his breath, and the rod elongated into a wooden staff as tall as he was. Sadie made a squeaking sound. I couldn't believe my eyes either, but things only got weirder. Dad threw his staff at the fiery man's feet, and it changed into an, an enormous serpent. Ten feet long, as big as I was, with coppery scales and glowing red eyes. It lunged at the fiery man, who effortlessly grabbed the serpent by its neck. The man's hand burst into white-hot flames, and a snake to burn to ashes. An old trick, Julius, the fireman chided. My dad glanced at us, silently urging us to, again to run. Part of me refused to believe any of this was real. Maybe I was unconscious, having a nightmare. Next to me, Sadie picked up a chunk of stone. How many? My dad asked quickly, trying to, quickly, trying to keep the fireman's attention. How many did I release? Why all five, the man said, as if explaining something to a child. You should know that we're a package deal, Julius. Soon I'll release even more, and they'll be very grateful. I shall be named king again. The demon days, my father said. They'll stop you before it's too late. The fireman laughed. You think the house can stop me? Those old fools can't even stop arguing among themselves. Now let the story be told anew, and this time you shall never rise. The fiery man waved his hand. The blue circle at Dad's feet went dark. Dad grabbed for his toolbox, but it skidded across the floor. Goodbye, Osiris, the fiery man said. With another flick of his hand, he conjured a glowing coffin around her dad. At first, it was transparent, but as her father struggled and pounded it on its sides, the coffin became more and more solid a golden Egyptian sarcophagus inlaid with jewels. My dad caught my eyes one last time and mouthed the words, Run! before the coffin sank into the floor, as if the ground had turned to water. Dad! I screamed. Sadie threw her stone, but it sailed harmlessly through the fiery man's head. He turned, and for one terrible moment, his face appeared in the flames. What I saw made no sense. Is that it's, it was as if someone had superimposed two different faces on top of each other, one almost human with pale skin, 
cruel angular features and glowing red eyes, the other like an animal with dark fur and sharp fangs, worse than a dog or a wolf or a lion, some animal I'd never seen before. Those red eyes stared at me, and I knew I was going to die. Behind me, heavy footsteps echoed on the marble floor of the great court. Voices were barking orders. The security guards, maybe the police, but they never get here in time. The fireman lunged at us. A few inches from my face, something shoved him backwards. The air sparked with electricity. The amulet around my neck grew uncomfortably hot. The fiery man hissed, regarding, regarding me more carefully. So, it's you. The building shook again. At the opposite end of the room, part of the wall exploded in a brilliant flash of light. Two people stepped through the gap. The man and the girl we'd see at the noodle. Their robes swirling around them. Both of them held staffs. The fiery man snarled. He looked at me one last time and said, Soon, boy. Then the entire room erupted in flames. A blast of heat sucked all the air out of my lungs, and I crumpled to the floor. The last thing I remember, the man with the forked beard and the, glue in, and the girl in blue were standing over me. I heard the security guards running and shouting, getting closer. The girl crouched over me and drew a long curl, curved knife from her belt. We must act quickly, she told the man. Not yet, he said with some reluctance. His thick accent sounded French. We must be sure before we destroy them. I closed my eyes and drifted into unconsciousness. This has been the second episode of Rick Reardon's Red Pyramid. An explosion for Christmas. Tune in next week for Chapter 3, Imprisoned with My Cat. Hope you enjoy!